the real Bibles are the pages, right? That's the real Bible. I'm only kidding. Hey, but open up and get to Matthew chapter 6 today. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Past seven weeks, we have been in a series entitled, Let Us Be. And uh, next week, I'll be finishing that up. It's hard to believe it's been eight weeks, all right? We're already two months into the new year. And I pray that this series has been challenging to you. I hope it's been, been growing your faith. But we'll be finishing that up next week. And uh, today we are looking at Matthew 6. Now, um, i got to ask you a couple questions. So this is going to require class participation. And we're in church, so honest time, all right? Raise your hand if you worry. Ah, I figured that, okay? Now, this is a question probably none of you probably... Uh, let me ask you this. How many of you, raise your hand, class participation, how many of you think that worrying is not a big deal? Raise your hand. Really? Only four of you, huh? Everybody else thinks, oh, I think a lot of people think worry is not that big of a deal. We think it's just every day, hey, it's part of life. I mean, when you're looking at the world and what's going on, how can you not worry? And I think worry becomes just something that's second nature in us. I want to show us today that worry is not just every day. We just have to do it. The Bible paints a very different picture about worry, okay, or being anxious. Philippians, in, in Philippians chapter 4, it even tells us, it says, do not be anxious or worry about anything. Think about that for a moment. I mean, the Bible makes it very clear. Do not be anxious or do not worry about anything. Well, Jim, come on now. God really doesn't understand my life. I mean, there's got to be some exceptions when it comes to worry. No, do not worry about anything. Well, in our text today, we're going to see Jesus talking about this idea of not worrying. And so I've entitled my message today, Let Us Be trusting because the reality is the bible paints a picture of that worry is actually the opposite of trusting okay our english word worry in the bible is actually translated from a greek word and and the greek in the greek language the word worry actually means to be drawn in different directions because when you worry you are actually being drawn in a different direction okay well, the direction that as a believer in Christ we are to be going is toward Christ, toward God in faith and belief. Worry pulls us the other way. It draws us away from God. And so that's why the Bible makes it very clear that we have got to come to the place where we trust God. And so the title of the message today is simply, Let Us Be Trusting. And so let me read our text, and I would encourage you, follow along, open your Bible, turn it on. But starting in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus is saying these words. And he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap. Or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? 
And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Do you see a common theme there? Worry, worry. In fact, six times in these verses, Jesus uses the word worry. Three times he tells us, do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. So the question has got to be asked then is how, in you, how can you and I live our life day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year? How can we do what Jesus is saying? How can we live our life and not worry? Well, that's kind of the big heading there on your outline there. And here's how we not worry. And write this down. How not to worry. You've got to settle your heart on what Jesus says is true. Settle your heart, your mind, yourself, everything about you. Settle your heart on what Jesus says is true. Now, why do I say that? Because if you look at verse 25, Jesus says, therefore, I tell you, I tell you, do not worry. If you look at verse 29, he says, yet I tell you. Jesus is saying something to these people. Let's get the image of what's happening here. Let's get some context. Let's set this up. I've already preached from Matthew in this series. And you remember, this is what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. Okay? Jesus has been, he, he's, he's been in chapter 4 going around and he's been teaching, he's been preaching, and he's been healing people. And, and, his, and people have been following him. And these are people called disciples. And in the beginning of chapter 5, it says that Jesus went up onto a mountain and his disciples came to him. So a crowd of his disciples came to Jesus. And now picture this scene if you can. Try to get into this. I picture Jesus with all of these people on this mountain. And I don't know if he sat down. I don't know if he stayed standing or what. But it's kind of an intimacy thing going on right now. And, he be and it says in chapter 5, verse 1, that he began to teach them. He just starts talking to them. He begins to teach them different things. He's like, hey, here's some beatitudes. Blessed be this person. Blessed be this person. And he goes through all these attitudes. And then he starts teaching them about what the law said and what I say. And he starts teaching them all these things. And he's going along teaching them, teaching them, teaching them. And then when you get to verse 25, he's teaching them about money. He's like, listen, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve both God and money. You're going to love one, you'll hate the other. And then he goes into this. He's been teaching them. And I sit there and I go, I wonder if he's sitting there and he's looking at all of his disciples. He's looking at this crowd of people. And he goes, therefore, I tell you. 
Do not worry about your life. I'm telling you this. You see, these people have seen, they've heard Jesus preach. They've heard him teach. They've seen him do miracles. These people have been following Jesus. They understand him. They know him. They've heard him. They've seen him. They know what's going on. And he looks at them and he says, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about what you will eat, what you will wear. Don't worry about your body. Do not worry. And I wonder if the people were just sitting there going, if he's saying it, I'm going to believe it. Is it any different for you and me today? I mean, we don't have Jesus in our, in our right there with us. I mean, we don't, we're not following Jesus. like we're not, We haven't seen these miracles like these people did, but we have the word. We have the word of God. We have, do we believe that we have the words of Christ? It's either yes or no. If I truly believe that this is the word of God, that Jesus spoke these words, then guess what I can do? Believe what he says. And if Jesus says, I tell you, imagine if Jesus was in this room right now and he came up to Devon and Lauren and goes, I know you've got a little baby, but I tell you, do not worry. Let me ask you, would that change your faith? Would you look at Jesus and go, okay. Well, if we believe that would be, if Jesus was in person right here, is it any different knowing that we have his word? We have the word of God, the word of Christ saying, I tell you, do not worry. Don't worry about anything. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your body, meaning like your health. Don't worry about what you will eat, what you will wear. Don't worry about nothing. And the only way we can go through life not worrying is can I believe what Jesus is telling me? Can I believe what Jesus is saying in this text? And there are four specific things that Jesus tells us why you and I don't have to worry. And here's the first thing. Let's look at four specific things that Jesus tells us about not worrying. And here's number one. Know that God the Father cares for you. One of the very first things he's telling us here is if you don't need if, to not worry about your life and what you will eat and drink and not worrying about your body is here it is that you got to know that God the Father cares for you. So again, look at verse 25 through verse 20, verses 25 and 26. Jesus says, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink about your body, what you will wear. Now, in the context here, you got to remember back in Jesus' time, a lot of these people would have been very poor, okay? Physically, they would have worried about my clothes because they didn't have a Walmart down the street, all right? They would have worried about what they would have eaten, what they would have, you know, the money. Why? Because a lot of these people were very, very poor. And they didn't have what you and I have. That's why I think the very first thing he said, don't worry about your life. Because for you and I, we may not necessarily worry about our clothes because we have so many conveniences for clothing. We may not worry about our food because 
getting food is very easy for us, okay? But what about just your life? What about your life? Because how many of you know there are things in our life that, well, it's not so easy? And so he's like, don't worry. And he goes on. In verse 26, he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? He's contrasting this. He's like, he's like here, here, he's real life. He, just look up in the air, guys. Look up in there. See the birds flying around? He goes, have you ever seen any of these birds ever working a job? He's like, they don't store away in barns. They're not talking to their, 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 their financial manager about their Roth IRA. There's, no, they are just flying around enjoying life and that God knows what they need. And he'll take care of a bird. And then he looks at them and he goes, do you not know you are more valuable than a bird? I loved walking out in the country. And back when it was nice still, I was walking outside of Alpha and... Um, I remember walking out, uh, out in the country road, and I just looked up, and this massive amount of birds just flew over. And this verse came to my mind. I looked at the birds, and I'm like, God takes care of them. Am I not more valuable than that, that robin? Am I not more valuable than that cardinal? Listen, loved one, you are valuable to God. And if God will take care of a bird, he will take care of you. Now, here's the problem, I think, for some of us, <clears throat> when we hear, he says, will your heavenly father not take care of you more? That word father for some of us is, is a problem. Because what some of us have is a, a problem, and the problem is we've, we've had a bad father, earthly father. And what happens is because we've had a bad earthly father, we equate what my earthly father was like to God. And so what we do is, if we grew up with a mean, harsh, earthly father, we equate God as being mean and harsh. If we grew up with a, or that didn't grow up, but what if we had an earthly father that walked out on our family, abandoned my mom and abandoned me and my brother and sister. We just, he just walked out and it never, we equate God to that. God's not showing up. And I'm going through this, and, and I, God's going to, he's going to abandon it. That's how we think of it. If we grew up with a dad that you, you never could please him, always demanding, always wanting perfection, and you always were coming up short, and you never could complete the task, and you always felt the pressure to, to please and to make sure it was always, how many of you know that equates to God very quick? Because now all of a sudden you're like trying to figure out, am I pleasing God enough? Am, am I doing enough? And you always feel like you're coming up short. You know, I, I, I've shared my, my personal life a lot in this church. And I grew up with a very angry dad. Very angry. And um, saw that anger come out a lot. And, and if me, my brother and sister didn't measure up and we messed up, we experienced that anger. And um, I mean just harsh stuff. So this day, there's a lot of times I equate what I experienced growing up to God. Because 
I always, not always, but there are times where I feel like if I mess up, I sin, I do something, I don't do something. God, I'm just waiting for the lash to come down. That if there's things going wrong in my life, my first initial knee-jerk reaction is this. I must be doing something wrong and God's punishing me. Because that's what I grew up with. And even after being a Christian and a pastor all these years and decades, I still have that feeling and those thoughts. And I equate what I grew up with to God. I wonder how many of you are like that. You have a hard time viewing the real essence of who God is and his real love for you because you can't get past your earthly growing up. You can't get past what you grew up with and then the home you grew up in and the dad you had. And so often we are so conditioned and trained by what we grew up in, we can't see God differently. You see, this is why it's so important. We can't believe the lie. It's not to say what I grew up in was a lie. It was true. But the enemy convinces us of a lie that this is who you are, this is what you grew up in, and this is what God is like. And it's a lie. That's why we have to believe what the Bible says about who God is and what he truly is like. You know, in the book of Psalm, chapter 86, verse 15, it says this, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Do I not have that verse? There it is. But this, this needs to, I bet, I would, if I were a betting man, this needs to be a life verse for some of you. Because if you were just to take this verse apart and apply it to your life, everything for your life is exactly opposite of this verse. You see God as not compassionate because you grew up with a dad who wasn't compassionate. You don't see God as gracious because your dad wasn't gracious to you. You don't see God as slow to anger because you had a dad that was like, man, always angry. You can't see God as abounding in love and faithfulness because that was not your dad. And all you can see is the exact opposite and you see God as your dad and God is not your dad. Your God is this. He is a loving Father, he is a God who is compassionate and gracious to you. Compassionate. Man, you're going to mess up. You're still going to sin. You're still going to come up short. And he is compassionate to you. He is gracious to you. He is, God's first initial reaction to you is not punishment. It is forgiveness. It is love. It is mercy and graciousness. He is slow to anger. I am so grateful that God is slow to anger and that his wick is not this short and it just lights up that quick. He's slow to anger. He abounds in love and faithfulness. Abounds in it. The Bible in the book of Lamentations says that his mercy is new every day. You can't outrun it. You, you can't dry it out. Paul says in, in the book of Romans that when your sin abounds, God's mercy and his grace abounds even more. You can't out God. You can't outdo. You can't do it. God is a loving father, and he cares for you. That's why in the book of 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, cast all your anxiety onto God because he cares for you. 
I love this. Cast all your anxiety, all your worries. You know, that word cast is very interesting. That word cast in the Greek it actually means to throw upon, to put the responsibility upon. So it's almost as if literally God is saying this to us. He's like, put, throw all your anxiety, put the responsibility onto me because I care for you. God cares for you. This is why we don't have to worry. He says, cast all your anxiety. The word, that word cast also means continuous. It's not like you just throw one net out and like I'm done. No, sometimes it may be moment by moment. You're casting all your worries onto God. God, I'm worrying again. Here it is, your responsibility. I don't know how, I don't know when, I don't know where, I don't know what's going to happen, but here it is, God. And you continually give your worries to him. And you do it because he cares for you. Do me a favor, but keep your finger there in Matthew and turn with me to the book of Philippians. So go backwards, go to the, like, the book of Revelation, keep going to the end of like, the Bible and get to the book of Philippians. You're going to go through Romans, you're going to go through Corinthians, you're going to go through Ephesians, and you're going to come to Philippians. And I want you to go to Philippians chapter 4. Again, these are verses that, that God is speaking these things, okay? And so you, so you got to almost be like the people in that crowd. And Jesus, I'm, I'm telling you. So when you hear these verses, imagine if God himself was speaking this to you in person. If he showed up to you face to face and he was saying these things. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, he says... Paul writes and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And here it is, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends your understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ. You see, you can cast all your anxiety onto the Lord because he's near. And you can sit there and go, God, through prayer and thanksgiving and petition, going, God, I am so burdened and so worried, but here it is. And he's like, and then that peace of God, almost just like an oil just flowing, it will guard your heart and your mind. Cast all your cares onto him because he cares for you. Jesus continues this idea of God caring for us. Look at verse 28. He says, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in his splendor was dressed like one of these. If God, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? He's just, again, trying to, he's trying to open the eyes of the hearts of these people to get them to understand who God is and what he is like. He uses Solomon because these people would have known who Solomon was, one of the greatest kings in, in Israel's history, one of the wealthiest men ever to live. And, and, and Jesus is like, look at the field. Again, using a practical application, they're up on a mountain, probably a grassy mountain. And he's like, look at all these flowers. Aren't they beautiful? He's like, Solomon didn't look these good. 
But look at what God does. He takes care of these. He plants these. He grows these. Will he not take care of you? And when he uses those words, oh, you of little faith, that's not a scorn. He's not spanking them. It's almost as if Jesus was like putting his arm around the person. And he's like, let me tell you, why can't you trust God? Why are you fearful? Why are you so worried? Look at all this stuff. If this is how God is with flowers, will he not take care of you? So he's trying to get these people's eyes elevated. He's trying to get these people's hearts elevated, their minds elevated. He's trying to get them to understand, man, no matter what I go through, I can trust my heavenly father because he cares for me. And the same goes for you and me. We can believe what Jesus is telling us. Why? Because we can know your heavenly father cares for you. Here's the second thing that Jesus tells us about worrying. The second thing is this. Know that worrying doesn't change anything. Look at verse 27. It's a very simple rhetorical question. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? That's a rhetorical question because there's only one answer. What's the obvious answer? You can't add nothing to your life. You can worry 24-7 about anything and everything, and it's not changing anything. The only thing that worry changes is one thing. What do you think it is? It's you. Your worry changes your faith. Because when you're worrying, you're not trusting God. It changes your focus. You're not looking at God. You're looking at everything around you. And you know what it also changes? It changes your health. According to the Mayo Clinic, here's what really worry does. Excess worry can lead to deeper anxiety issues. It can lead to depression, digestive problems, headaches, muscle tension and pain, high blood pressure, strokes, heart attacks, sleep problems, weight gain, and that's my problem, <laughs> and memory and concentration impairment. I love to worry, but that's what worry can do. It changes you, it changes you physically and it changes you spiritually. As I said, the Greek word says that worry draws you in different directions. It changes you because it draws you away from God. It draws your focus away. It draws everything from God onto self and your problem. I like what David writes in Psalm chapter 131. He writes and he says, I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me, but I have calmed and quieted myself. I'm like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child. I am content. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forevermore. Let's break, a, let's break this down for a second. It's like he's talking to, this, to the nation of Israel. It's like almost like he sent out a, a mass email to everybody. And he's like, listen, here's what I've come to, come to know. He's like, I don't concern myself with big things. He goes, I've learned to be content. And, 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 the, and I sat and wondered if the people were like, well, how did you come to do that? How, how, how have you come to not concern yourself? Because I'm concerning myself with everything. Big, small, it doesn't matter, man. I'm worrying about it. How have you, David, figured it out? Why are you content? Why do you, how, how did you calm yourself? 
And the last line is the answer. Israel, meaning the people of Israel, here's how you do it. You put your hope in God. That's too easy. That's too simple. But it's truth. You see, if you were to take the word Israel out, insert your name in there. And you could sit there and go, I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. But I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. Why? I'll use me. Because Jim, I've put my hope in the Lord. Both now and forevermore. That's why I'm not going to worry and stress and be full of anxiety. Why? Because I am putting my hope in the Lord. And maybe that's where you're at. you got to put your hope in the Lord. Because the reality is, gang, worry does not change anything. You worrying about your health. You get the diagnosis from the doctor. You can sit there and worry about it, but let me ask you, will it change the cancer? You can worry about your job saying layoffs are coming and you can sit there and worry and not sleep. But let me ask you, will your worry change whether you lose your job or not? Some of you have adult children who decided I grew up in the church and don't want to be there anymore. And you can sit there and worry and stress and be anxious. And, but let me ask you, um, is your worry going to bring them to Christ any faster? Our worry doesn't change anything. It only changes you. And so if you are always anxious and you always are feeling sick to your stomach and always, I, I, I can't sleep, I can't eat, well, then you need to step back and go, why? Why am I worrying? If my worry can't change anything, then why am I going to worry about it? Then I'm just going to put my hope in the Lord and let him take care of this thing. My worry doesn't change an hour of my life and it doesn't make me grow an inch in my height. Worry doesn't do anything for me. Here's the third thing Jesus tells us. Know that God is sovereign over my circumstances. In order for me truly not to worry, I need to know that God is sovereign over all this stuff. Look at verse 31. He says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, meaning unbelievers, people who are just not, not, they're not about God or nothing about that. They, these are the things they worry about, they stress about. He says, your heavenly father knows that you need them. Your heavenly father knows that you need them. Do you really understand that God knows a little bit? Do you understand that God knows a little bit more than you? God knows exactly what you need. He knows it. Do you want to know why? Because he's sovereign. When it comes to the sovereignty of God, as I thought about this this week, do any of you stress about the sovereignty of God and how he created things? I mean, do you stand up, just sit up at night going, I can't believe he created everything. That's just, that's just crazy sauce. 
How did he create that? How did he make the flat? No, you don't worry and stress about the sovereignty of God when it comes to creation and things like that. In fact, I don't think a lot of us worry about the sovereignty of God over the big picture of anything. God's sovereign. I get that. But let me ask you, do you really, how about this? Do you worry about the sovereignty of God with other people? Maybe sometimes, but probably not a lot of times. How concerned do you get about the sovereignty of God, though, for you, your life, your finances, your job, your health, you? See, that's when we start to get a little worked up about the sovereignty of God. Because we want the sovereignty of God to align with what I want. Here's the thing. Here's what we need to understand. There are things that we think we need. I need this, God. But God knows what you need. Now, think about this for a moment. This is going to get hard. Have you ever prayed, God, I need healing? And it didn't come? Have you ever prayed, God, I need this job? Only not to get it? God, I need this relationship fixed. Only for it to still fall apart. You see, we view things on our level. And our level is, this is what I need. And we try to package it and put it in a nice little package with a bow and send it to God. And God, this is what I need. And there are times where God's like, yes, you think you need that. But I know what you need. That's hard to grasp. You see, this is why when it comes to not worrying, I have got to be able to transfer what I think, what I view, and what I think is what I need to be able to move it and go, God, how do you see this thing? Because the reality is when it comes to the sovereignty of God in my life, in my family, whatever it may be pertaining to me, if I'm praying for something and I'm asking, God, this is what I need, and I don't get it. It doesn't transpire in my life. It doesn't happen. It doesn't come about. At that moment, you and I have a choice. Am I going to cross my arms and tap my foot and drum my fingers and go, if that's the way God is, and start pounding my fist, if that's the way God is, I don't want it. I don't want him because he didn't give me what I needed. He didn't give me what I asked. Or can you step back and go, God, I prayed for this. I've been praying for this. I've been asking for this. I need this, God, and it hasn't come. Are you able to step back and go, but God, you are sovereign over all. And as we sung this morning, can you say it is still well with me? A lot of people can't. And that's why you can see and watch people who have grown up in the church or who attend church and something tragic happens in their life, something, something hard happens in their life, and you watch people walk away. They did, they did, they did just like, what happened? How did they fall off the turnip truck? They, they were like doing so because they can't, they aren't able to settle sovereignty. 
And there's always a struggle between the wills, God's will and my will. And too often we want our will to win out. Can you come to the place where you, God, you know what I need? And sometimes what God deems what we need isn't what we think we need. And that gets hard. But in order not to worry, we've got to be able to come to that place where we can go, God, you are sovereign. That's why in Isaiah, and I have read this verse so many times. Again, another verse that needs to be like a life verse for some of us. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. God writes and he says these, these just famous words. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. There are so many things that God knows that you and I can't. You know, when you and I, I've used this illustration a long time ago. When you watch a parade, okay, you and I are sitting there watching a parade and we see one float pass by. You may be able to look down the street and see a few others, but it's usually one float, one band, one whatever. But if you were to get in a helicopter and go up about 13, 14, 1500 feet in the air and you look down, what do you see? The entire parade. You see it all. You and I, we see our life one event at a time pass in front of our eyes. We see the health event. We see the finances. We see the relationship. We see the marriage. It all passes one thing in front of our eyes. But God sees it from here. And he sees your life from beginning to end in one streamline. He knows it all. And there are things that you and I think, we, this is what I need, God, but God sees things differently. His ways are not your ways and my ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts and my thoughts. They are as high as the heavens are above the earth, higher than you and me. And so can you come to that place where you're like, you know what, I'm not gonna worry because God is sovereign. And I'm going to trust him in all of this. And so Jesus is saying, your heavenly father knows you need these things. He will take care of you. And then lastly, what Jesus tells us about worry is this. Know that if I focus on God, God will handle the rest. In verse 33, Jesus says, he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. He gives us the real answer here to worry. He's like, if you don't want to worry, you got to shift your focus different. The reality is this, and let's just be real. When we are worrying, where's your focus? Is it on God or your problem? It's on your problem, okay? When we are truly worrying all the time, we're worrying about our health, we're worrying about our job, we're worrying about our finances, we're worrying about the relationships, we're worrying about our kids, we're worrying about, I don't know about you, you if you read the, watch the news about five minutes, are you starting to worry, okay? The world is messed up like a major soup sandwich right now, and, and, and it's, not, it's hard not to worry. But here's the thing, if I am worrying about all this stuff, the reality is my focus has shifted. Remember, the Greek word for worry means to be drawn in different directions. Worry means my 
vision has changed. I am not focused on God. I'm focused on my problem. I'm not focused vertically. I'm focused horizontally. And all I'm doing is looking at the problem. I'm looking at the pain. I'm looking at the people. I'm looking at my situation, my circumstances, and it worries me. So in order for me, as Jesus says, in order for me not to worry, guess what I've got to do? Shift my focus differently. I got to look at something different. I got to look at something else. I got to be seeking something else. And the thing I got to be seeking is God and his kingdom and his righteousness. This entire series has led to this point. Here's what you got to do. You've got to turn to the Lord. We've already talked about that. You, you've, got to, you've got to be putting everything all in. Man, I'm all in for Christ. You've got, to be, you've got to be like, man, I'm going to live for him. I'm going to give to him. I'm going to serve him. I'm going after him. I'm shifting my focus. In the book of Colossians chapter 3, just write these verses down. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. It says, set your heart and your mind on things above and not on earthly things. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author of and perfecter of our faith. If Jesus is the author and perfecter of your faith, meaning he has started it and he will finish it, tell me, where are you at in that equation? So if you're not in that equation at all, then the only thing that you and I have got to do is what? Fix my faith on him. And I'm going to fix my eyes, my heart, my mind on him. Now, does that mean that you're not going to have your times where you're going to worry? Absolutely. So guess what you got to do? When you start to see and realize you're worrying about something, guess where your focus has got to go back? So in a time of prayer, and I'm telling you guys, this could be a moment-by-moment -moment thing for you. You're at work and you start to worry. Father, I just ask that you'll just take this worry from me. Lord, I give you my kids. Lord, I give you this job. Lord, I give you my finances. God, I give you my health. God, I give you my marriage. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen, but God, here it is. Ten minutes later, you're starting to worry. God, I just pray, help me. I don't want to worry about this. Lord, I'm going to give it to you. Help me to refocus. You've got to set your heart and your mind on different things, and you've got to focus on him. The moment you take your focus off of God and you put it on self, <laughs> worry's going to settle in. And that's why Jesus finishes up this, this uh, conversation about worry with verse 34. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Because isn't that what worry really is? It's about future, isn't it? It's, it's like, what's going to happen in my health tomorrow? What's going to happen with my kids tomorrow? What, what's going to happen? Jesus is like, listen, if you will just focus on who God is, and turn to him and seek him and not worry about tomorrow. Just let, let today be today. Let God take care of today. Because how many of you know um, the Bible makes it very clear? You and I are not promised tomorrow anyway. And isn't it weird that you and I get so fixated and worried about tomorrow when today, I mean, we don't pray this, and that, but we could all die today. And then all your worries are what? Gone. Why do we get so fixated on tomorrow? Because tomorrow, does, and the book of James is like that. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what you're going to do next year or this place or that place because it's not here yet. And Jesus is like, why are you stressed about that? It's not even here yet. 
Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, gives us very simple instructions. Do not lean on your own understanding. See, that's where worry comes in. Because I'm leaning on my own understanding, my, pers my perspective on everything. So do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge the Lord. And he will make your path straight. You see, here's how you get out of worry, gang. Here's how you make sure your path is going to be straight. By getting out of the way. By putting yourself on the shelf and putting God in the driver's seat. I love you. You have always hear people, God's my co-pilot. No, he's not. He's kicked you back into the bathroom. He's flying the plane. All right. God is pilot, co-pilot the whole nine yards. And the moment we think we have our hands on the, on, on the yoke flying this thing, guess where it's going to go? Into the mountain. Because we have really no control over anything, gang. That doesn't mean we don't have our responsibility, all right? If, you're not, if you don't have a job, you don't sit at home and you're lazy boy eating your Cheetos watching ESPN going, oh, God will bring me a job. I'm trusting him. I'm not worrying. No, you still have to pound the pavement. There's a responsibility you and I take. But you can't lean on your own understanding. You can't stress over it. You can't worry about it. Because if you're all worrying about it, that means you're just putting your, you're putting your faith in yourself. In order to do this, you have got to be able to say, God, it is yours. And God, you are sovereign. And Father, I know you care for me. But I'm going to let your will be done. And whatever you deem is best, it is well. It is okay. And God, I'm going nowhere because I believe in you. And maybe that's where some of you are this morning. You've got to come back to that place where you can just put it all, your entire life, at the foot of the cross. Because I'm telling you, some of you, you think you have control over your kids. Some of you think you have control over your job. You think you have control over your health and you're going to try to, I'm controlling this thing and you are dead in worry. You gotta let it go. You gotta let go of the kid. You gotta let go of the job. You gotta let go of your health. You gotta let go of that relationship. You gotta let go of it and say, God, it's in your hands. And I'm gonna trust you. Because that's what we gotta be. Let us be trusting. Let's all stand and get ready to close. Let me close this in a word of prayer. I would just encourage you today as I'm praying, maybe you just got to have that time with you and God right now where you just got to be like, God, forgive me. I've been trying to control this situation. I've been trying to control these circumstances and the outcome of it. And God, I have not been trusting you. I've been stressed and worried and I've been up. So, up. so God, here it is. I'm giving it to you. And, and I would just encourage you to surrender whatever it is you've been worried about anxious about give it to god and so father we thank you that you are lord god almighty the sovereign lord and lord it's so easy to allow our flesh to creep in and we become stressful become full of anxiety and worry but help us to take the words of christ and truly believe them 
and know that you are our Heavenly Father and you care for us and you will take care of us. Lord, knowing that you are sovereign over every issue, every problem in our life, that God, you know exactly what we need. Lord, we got to believe that our worry isn't going to change anything. It's just going to change us and draw us away from you and help us, God, to seek you, to get our focus off of self and off of our problem and off of our situations and circumstances and get our eyes on you, to get our hope in you so that way, Lord, we can not concern ourselves with things beyond our control, but we can calm ourselves just like a weaned child and be able to say, my hope is in the Lord. So I just pray now, Lord, that people are just gonna surrender. Lord, whatever it may be that is overwhelming them, they can just put it in your hands and put it at the foot of the cross. And we just thank you, Father, and we just praise you in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna sing it as well as we close.